HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 this is Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's September 23rd, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. My good buddy, John Lumbaum from Be United's here. How are you, John? Good. How are you doing, Jimmy? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, the Glasentorin, the Polliner Brow House in New York City, and Hops Hill today, a new, a new beer bar in uh, Clinton Hill. So that's a pretty good lineup. But thanks for bringing us, uh, you brought us uh, Jeff Vanderstein from uh, Glasentor and telling us a little bit about that brewery, because it's, it's one of my favorites that you have with Be United. Yeah, um, Jeff can certainly uh, tell you a lot more than I can, but uh, Jeff has sort of had a pretty illustrious career in Belgium, is actually a beer writer, um, first and foremost. He's written many, many books on uh, beer and opened up his own brewery some years back and makes really wonderful, really elegant interpretations of classic Belgian styles. All right. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I've had a few of your beers, like the Canister, the Scotch Ale, and the, and the Saison de Herbe. Tell us about how you first started making beer and the philosophy behind it. Oh, I started brewing beer uh, 30 years ago because I, I wrote about beer in the beginning, not, art, not books, but articles, and I was uh, very critical. And the brewers told me, well, do it yourself. And I thought, okay, I try it myself. And the first brew was 50 liter. It's, it's very, very uh, small in the garage. You know, like garage musicians, it was a garage brewery. And sometimes the beer was very good. Other times it was not good. And I didn't understand why. And the only possibility is go to school. School is school. And in Belgium, fortunately, we have a, um, a lot of brewery schools. So I went to the brewery school in Ghent, the oldest brewery school in Belgium, founded in 1887. And after the studies, I restarted brewing beer in small quantities. And then the beer was good. Every time it was good. And of course, it's a pity to brew only 50 liter beers a time. And with a friend, we started a small brewery brewing 500 liters a time, so 10, 10 times more. And we told we brew one Saturday a month. We fill bottles another Saturday a month. I will open the shop one Saturday, <laughs> and my colleague also one Saturday. And that's it. And it, it went wrong, because we had to brew every week. And after two years, it was impossible so we bought a new brew house in Germany, Andreas in Germany, yeah. and uh, a 20 hectolitre uh, brew house. And now we said, now we're okay for, for all time. We brew one time a week for all time. And again, it went wrong. We brew now two times a week, and, and still it's a problem. So it's, it's rather successful. So people like your beer. 
Yeah. You know, now it's 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 maybe when you started it was it was unique, but there's so many new breweries that are that are starting that way, like Transmitter and in, in, in Queens and Hill Farmstead in, in Vermont making small batches and before you know it, I think everybody likes the small brewers. I mean mm-hmm. that's what I love your beers. Thank you. Yeah. John it's they've got a special identity. I mean Glasentor most people haven't heard of it. Well, it's a very small brewery, and uh, we're very fortunate to get the beer we can. You know, it, it sells out every ounce immediately when we get uh, a quantity of draft. And you know, what Jeff was saying is earlier is that um, the number of breweries in Belgium is actually growing pretty dramatically right now. So we're seeing the same thing in Belgium right now that we're seeing in New York, that we're seeing in Ireland, that we're seeing in England, that we're seeing in sort of all these regions around the world where there's a lot of very small new breweries opening up. We have another brewer here, too. We have Andreas. Say your name, buddy. Andreas Heidenreich. <laughs> and you're at the... Polliner has a, a brew house restaurant in the Bowery. So you're, you're, you're making German-style beer, but you're actually making beer in New York City. Yes. And it's uh, German-style, like a helles, so lager, or a dark lager, a Hefeweizen. And for the U.S. market, I start with uh, Munich Pale Ale, which more hoppy. And all the ingredients, the hops, are coming from... Washington State, and the important thing is the Hefeweizen. This is the number one beer actually from Palana in Munich, and, yeah. and that's your number one. How, how are you doing in terms of selling beer? Is it, is it popular on the Bowery? Yeah, I thought we started with Oktoberfest last Saturday, and I had two thousand liter of Oktoberfest. Now I have only one thousand, so it's a good business at the moment. All right. <laughs> well, how did you get started? You know, Jeff started in a garage. How did you start brewing, Andreas? Mm. Actually, I, I started in high school. I made a um, presentation about beer. And then I said I was 17, 16. I was legal to drink. And I decided, okay, it's a nice, actually a nice job uh, to make an apprenticeship about this. Because after high school, you have to do an apprenticeship in Germany. And yeah, I went to Palana. Two and a half years, I made my apprenticeship. And then I went to university, to Berlin. And I make my master degree in beer, four years. Yeah, and then back to Palana, and they sent me over to Asia. I was nine years a brewmaster in Asia, in China, in Taiwan, also a few times in Singapore. And does, what does Palana have different brew houses yes, around we have, the world? Uh, at the moment, we have 28 microbreweries worldwide, so most of them in Asia. It's... Um, 20 in China, one in Singapore, one in Taiwan, one in Jakarta. In Russia, we have five. And in New York, uh, it's the first one now in the U.S. All right. We also have Kenny and Joe. There's a new beer bar in uh, Clinton Hill, Brooklyn called Hot Pills. And I know you guys have a great selection of beer. Kenny, um, I've seen you at some beer events. What, what do you think about these two guys? Polliner, Brahaus, and... and uh, uh, yeah, well, I just met both of these gentlemen, and uh, it's uh, it's been <laughs> it's been quite interesting so far. They're great characters, and uh, I'm a beer supporter, and uh, just I'm behind the scenes kind of serving beer. But uh, I'm always happy to meet uh, brewers, and uh, just happy for their success and uh, the the great beers that they're putting out, and that uh, they're part of the history of what we're doing in the United States here. That's great. And Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, thanks, Jimmy. So, what uh, what made you guys open a beer bar in Clinton Hill? Uh, we, we've been involved uh, with beer since 2000, selling beer uh, at a uh, grocery store and later managing a bar and bartending. And <clears throat> I reached a point when I'm 40 years old and it's time to make my own uh, stuff. And I learned a lot and I put everything I like in this bar. And so far. Uh, people appreciate what we have, and uh, hopefully we'll get to a new level. You got you got a great location. I, I was at Kelso Greenpoint Beer Works last week, and you're right around the corner on Fulton. And from the notes from uh, our, our team, you're uh, where Biggie Smalls used to hang out, a notorious B.I.G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Fulton Street. So yeah, I, I I never. I mean, I knew a little bit about this guy, but everybody keep telling me, oh, this is. There's a lot of history around here, and uh, it fits what what we're doing, and we're just trying to bring uh, the past and the future all together in whatever we're trying to do at, at Hobbs Hill. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't even know who Biggie Small is or Notorious B.I.G., but <laughs> I thought you might. Anyways, Andrea, so we're, we were just drinking your beer. 
Uh, tell, yeah. us, tell us the beer that we're drinking and this, a little bit about uh, it. This Oktoberfest beer, it's a type of Merzen. Merzen called it's around 5.86% alcohol. And the color is like a copper color. It's more multi-flavor and less hoppy. And it's made with uh, malt, barley from Germany, and the hops from the Hallertau, also from Germany. John, you, you guys have a lot of uh, German beers at the United. What did you think of this Polliner Oktoberfest? Oh, it's great. I know it well. I mean, Polliner has uh, a really remarkable history in the Oktoberfest, dating back to you know, 1810. And, uh, yeah, their Märzen has you know, historically been one of the benchmarks. But your, your recipes, this isn't just the, the, the typical Polliner beer. It's, is it a special recipe just for New York or for America? Yeah, this, all my beers here in New York is made with my recipes. So when you go to Palana in Beijing or Shanghai, you will have a different Hefeweizen or lager because every brewmaster has a different water, have different barleys or malt. And that's, so like in that's Be- Beijing, what are the styles of beer that are more popular in those other countries? Also in China, we, we made um, lager beers and dark beer. No, only in Shanghai we make also Hefeweizen, but here we need more beers on tap for the U.S. market. That's why I start with a unique pale ale, and yeah, Hefeweizen, lager, and dark is all, all our standard beers, and then I may make also seasonal beers like now it's Oktoberfest, Winterbock is coming with a Schwarzbier style, um, Salvator, the double bock for March, Maybock, and yeah. Yeah, Jan, uh, Jeff. I always want to call you Jan Vandersteen. Okay, but, <laughs> I can call you Jan, but you're Jeff. Jan Michael. What do you think? I mean, to me, you're you're a specialty small brewer, mm-hmm. and then you've got these this international corporation that's also opening little brew pubs. I mean, you must have some philosophy about what good beer is, or you just taste it in a glass. What do you do? No, no. For me, it's a good thing because. Every of those small plants will brew something that more or less is original. And that's for me better than the import from Munich here, because then it will be the same. So congratulations. Thank you. Do it. That is cool. I mean, is, is there anything in the Belgian beer scene that's like that or certain, certain brew pubs you like to go to? Or cool scenes that are happening. Well, in, in Belgium, uh, you have uh, not that much uh, brew pubs. You have breweries, but no brew pubs. There's only one in Leuven. Leuven, uh, the, the base of Stella Artois. There is uh, a second brewery, a small pub brewery, but normally we don't have it. We brew beer and we sell it, and then to to sell it to clients, that's for pubs. It's not for us. Yeah. And are you surprised at the way the beer scene's changed in, in, in 30 years since you started? Enormously. <laughs> Enormously. Uh, when I started writing about beer in Belgium every week, no, every week, but every two weeks, a brewery stopped brewing. And then around 80, 1980, there was one, the Dollar Brouwers, one new brewery and we uh, the beer lover said wow one new brewery since then every year there's more and more and not only more and more breweries so also more and more beers and also more and more original beers and that's important there's enough beer in the world AB InBev Belgian uh, biggest company of the world makes enough beer for the world but Every, everywhere they're the same. We don't have to drink it. No. <laughs> what did you, I, like, I like what you poured for us. What's this? Well. This is good. This is, uh, this is our um, Saison d'Herpemere, because you always say Saison d'Herp. <laughs> it's Herp. That's what I said, D'Herp. Herp, Mir, <laughs> when you want to, to pronounce it. Well, uh, Saison is a, a very old Belgian style. Um, it, it, it was made 300 years ago on farms because in um, summertime there was a lot of people working on the farm. There were no machines. But in wintertime there was no work for them. And instead of buying beer in a brewery, 
The farmer said, we can do it ourselves. So they started brewing beer at farms. And the special thing was, it was a beer that had to last for a long time. Because it was brewed in wintertime to drink in summertime. And that's about six months. So 300 years ago, six months was a very, very long time. Normally beer was brewed and drunk immediately. So they had to find tricks to make beer lasting as long as possible. And that's the start of what we call saison. Saison means season. It is brewed in winter season to drink it in summer season. All the saisons are very dry. I hope you taste that. There's no sweetness in it. Very dry. Why? Because when you drink sweet beers, you get thirsty. And a saison was to May give... I have more, please? <laughs> well, yes, you can, you can have more. And, and um, the, the workers had to drink that beer not to become thirsty, but against the thirst. It's well hopped, but well hopped with uh, hops with low bitterness. So there's a lot of hop in it because hop is good for the conservation of beer. But instead of a little bit hop with high bitterness, we put very much hop in it with low bitterness. For my friend... Uh, Next, next to me from Germany, uh, German hops like Hallertau, Spelt, Tetnang. Aroma hops. Uh, yeah. Yeah, aroma hopfen. Yeah. Uh, but very much. So the bitterness is not uh, crispy. It's, it's a nice bitterness. Yeah. Andreas, what do you think of this beer? I like it. I never had it before, but it's his style, but it's very good beer. Kenny, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I'm totally digging it. Um, I like uh, just the the very faint hint of uh, lemon I'm getting, and um, it's it's got such a big bouquet, actually. Um, it's, it's a little more complex than I was expecting it well, to be. Jeff's going to say, stop the compliments. So what's wrong with this beer, Jeff? Well, there's nothing wrong, but I'm here, so never nobody dares to say there's something wrong. Nobody <laughs> what I want to know say. is, how, how can you make the beer, so it, if, if I'm working in the fields mm -hmm. and I'm drinking a saison like this, What about it makes me not thirsty? Because there's no sweetness in it. Have you ever heard that, John? I've, I've uh, I, yeah, normally sweeter beers do tend to trigger thirst in the same way that food would trigger thirst. Um, one thing I really like about this is it, I mean, this probably has a bit more alcohol than historically a Saison might have had. But it also, it's mouth-watering. It's, it's refreshing. It's almost like a lemonade as opposed to a milkshake. You know, talking about working in the field and thirst, a friend of mine is a doctor, and he said that when they make Gatorade, they model the, the electrolytes on what's in beer. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's true? Would you drink beer after working out or working in the fields? I, uh, drink, yeah. I, drink, <laughs> I, I drink beer before I work, during the work, and after the work. Athletes, baseball players used to drink beer in between innings, you know? And, uh, yes. And, you know, Jimmy, to save you from some uh, log rolling, I will mention that this I believe this beer is on draft at Jimmy's 43 tonight. Yeah, we're going to tap it tonight, and we'll have it on for the next two days until it runs out. Awesome. But um, we're always psyched. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, to me, just meeting you, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm psyched. But I do like your beer, and, uh, you know, let's keep drinking it. Well, but you brought other beers, too, didn't you, John? Yeah, there's some others. Yeah. Um, maybe next we'll tap the Andinica. Andinica it is. This is the... Uh, Triple from the yep. let's, Horn. Let, 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 let's, let's pop that, and we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the Internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're in Roberta's in Bushwick. Uh, come out and support them. They have pizzas, but they have more than pizzas. It's a great menu, and uh, we love being out here. And uh, cheers to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can become a member. Check it out. And it's uh, so many great shows, including another beer show on Mondays. Uh, we got Ferment About It with uh, Chris and, and Mary. So there's a lot going on in the show. My buddy uh, Damon Bolta has the uh, speakeasy. So he talks about cocktails and spirits. There's a lot of great stuff. So, But I'm really excited. we got jo- John Lumbaum. Uh, we're very happy to have you on once again from Be United International. And you brought, uh, to me, one of the most mysterious, interesting guys in beer, Mr. Jan Jeff Vandersteen. From Glazentorn, uh, which is the kind of thing that you would give us like one case of beer a year, and we'd talk about <laughs> it forever, but we always enjoyed it. So, you know, Andreas from Polliner and, and Kenny and Joe from Hoppus. You guys want to ask, want, you know, Jeff is one of the guys that started out as like a garage brewer in Belgium, uh, even before people were doing that in the States. So, why, why don't everybody, let's I'll ask him a question because we've been drinking his beer, and I know you guys know a lot about beer. So, Andreas, you want to? Yeah. Um, actually, I'm. It's the first time I had this beer, and um, I never, I never had so many, so much Belgian beer before. Wow! But I know Belgian beer are very strong. <laughs> I know Hoe Garden, and but this is very good actually. It's it's fruity. It's not so hoppy what you said before, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's strong. It's eight percent now. Now before it was seven. Now we are by eight percent. So. I think we have a good time here. But well, <laughs> actually, Jeff, if I could... Um, well, but for that alcohol, we have a reason. Um, you know, Belgium and Germany are next to each other. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, more than 100 years ago, the way of drinking in a pub was the same. Low alcoholic beers and alcohol. In, in Germany, it was schnapps. In Belgium, it was Geneva. Low alcohol and Geneva. Mm. But... They still do the same in Germany. So low alcohol for beer, schnapps. In Belgium, there was a law, 1919, forbidding, forbidding high alcoholic drinks. You had your own prohibition. Yeah, it was a kind of prohibition. But beer was not forbidden, only alcohol, so Geneva. And then the brewers said, okay, when there is no more Geneva, then we will raise the percentage of the alcohol. And since then, I think Belgium is uh, worldwide known for its strong, strong beers. Maybe you know that um, Westvleteren 12 has 12% alcohol. That's the same as wine. It's, it's very, very strong. And in that uh, direction, this beer is a triple. Before the, war, the First World War, so 100 years ago, the amount of alcohol in, in beer was about... Two and a half, three percent. Then came the double. Double means two times more. So beers from six to seven. After that, of course, in the thirties, three times more, triple. And this is that type: a triple, eight and a half percent. Now, Jeff, um, along the same lines, uh, you know, very commonly practiced in Belgium, adding a little bit of candy sugar to help. Mm-hmm. ferment up the alcohol yeah. a little bit. I yeah. mean, this being a triple, I'm sure you're using a little bit of candy sugar yeah, in it. we do the same. Mm-hmm. Well, what I try to do in, in that small Glazen Toren brewery is to brew classic Belgian beer styles. I don't try to invent new things, only the, the Belgian classics, but my way. My way means not 100%. The same recipe as I learned in school, mm. I change. I want to to create. I did it my way. Yes, yes. That's uh, for example. I, I got to listen to this, Jeff. This is what I want. I want to hit this guy to talk all night. If you've seen the ads, the most interesting man in the world. This is Jeff Vanderstein. Wow. He's got the beard and he's lived the life. So, wow. you are, man. All right. <laughs> okay. Cheers. Hopefully, we'll grow as old and br- brilliant as you, man. So, so cheers. You want me to sing more? <laughs> Well, no. Um, the the only thing I want to say is, for example, this triple has more bitterness in general than the other Belgian triples. But again, a very nice, a nice bitterness. The hops are not aggressive. 
And for me, that's the definition of Belgian beers. They must be in balance. Complicated, but balanced. Nothing can, not, not the bitterness must be number one. Maltiness must be number one. Sourness must, must not be number one. They all must be there, but in balance. The glass and torrent. But what, what yeast do you use? I mean, do you have the same yeast for, for all the beers? Uh, no. No? No. And because the brewery is too small, we don't have an own yeast. But in Belgium, most breweries are not uh, competitors. We colleagues. So for every beer, I need a specific yeast, and I, can, I, ha I have it for free in, in the larger breweries. They, don't, they give it for free. So you use a, a beer yeast or sometimes also a wine yeast? Or no, 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 only beer yeast. Only beer yeast. Only, okay. only beer yeast. Mm. And, and in the saison and in this beer, no spices. Mm. The third one we have is spiced. Uh, that's a sin for Andreas, because in Germany they, they cannot add spices. Yes. But in Belgium we can do it. Yeah, because we have the law of uh, Reinheitsgebot, okay. it's the law of purity. When we can use only four ingredients, it's the uh, yeah. barley or wheat malt, the yeast, the hops and the water. Yeah. And that's why when, when we do a, a double bock with 8% alcohol, it's what we said before, it's, it's more, more sweet, it's a multi-flavor inside, and yeah, sometimes you get headache, but 8% is very strong. Wow. <laughs> but this is not sweet, I guess. No, no, this is not sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like sweet beers. Yeah. You know, Jeff, uh, you just mentioned that your Saison uses no spices. No. Uh, that's somewhat atypical. Most Saisons are associated with sort of a more spicy... No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, let's, let us say that in the Saison world, there are two types, mm -hmm. with and without spices. With spices, I guess Brasserie Vapeur is one of the most famous. Mm -hmm. Without spices, Brasserie Dupont. And I follow Dupont. Olivier, the brewmaster of Dupont, is a very good friend. So I follow Dupont. No spices, but a lot of hops. Excellent. What, what other breweries are, are you friendly with in Belgium? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure all of them. But No, 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 not all of them, of course. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I wrote a book on Trappist beers. So I know not only the beers, but I know the monks very well. So a lot of <laughs> Trappist beers are my favorites. And my first love, and, and until today, one of my dearest beers are Lambic beers. Uh, I think the name Geuze is well known here. Yes, for sure. That, 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 I wrote three books on Lambic beers. Three. Because I, I love that beer type. That's, it's a beer type without yeast. It's even more Reinheitsgebot <laughs> than the beers in, yeah, in true, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> There's no yeast in it. The, the fermentation is spontaneous. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Because 1516, when the law was founded, um, there was only uh, barley, ye, uh, barley, hops and water, and water and no yeast because the yeast comes in 1900. Yeah. But yeah. now they have yeast in Germany. Yeah, yeah. In Lambic <laughs> beers, there's no yeast. It's, it's one of the oldest beers in the world. Brewed the same way. Uh, do you think that in 1516, with the German beer sour, like a lambic? Mm, yeah, I think so. But I have to say, because this was the Duke of Bavaria, he makes a, a law of purity, so Reinheitsgebot. And before the, the guys or the monks who made the beer, they used everything. They even used uh, marijuana. What's it, everything yeah. what they found and something one, one time I had a friend <laughs> brought me why not, why not why not <laughs> a friend brought me from from Poland like an, an herbal liqueur and I swear to God it had wild wild psychedelic mushrooms in it so you think that might have been <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in the beers back then yeah, yeah different things from the forest and yes and that's why the, uh, the Duke of Bavaria said it's enough I make this law a law and, and it's only barley hops and water because yeast was not so do you think that yeah. people were actually making beers more like psychedelic, or yeah, he wanted so. to? Did he, he want to control the people and, no, the, and he, the workers? He, he, even, even some people died before, right? Because he used some. Yeah, people talk uh, about the Reinheitsgebot yeah. is really the first consumer protection act in yeah. human history. Well, but we had the same in Belgium, but not. It was not forbidden to use all those spices, but they were controlled. The only way to. <laughs> to purchase those spices was to buy them 
at a landlord, a, a prince, a king. You understand? Like, so what, it, what were uh, some of the other spices that were dangerous? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I, I know what they found in the forest. Uh, yeah. And this has, like, has to do with witchcraft, right? Brewing yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. perhaps the love potion or yeah. poison or something. <laughs> love potion is not bad, I guess. <laughs> you guys are like the most interesting guy in the world, and I got I got the proof. From, but Kenny, what, let's ask let's ask uh, Jeff a, a question. Something from your perspective as as a New York City beer guy. Well, as I'm sitting here listening, I just feel uh, deeply honored to to be in. in a, no more compliments. In ah, no well, more tough compl- question. Yeah. No more compliments. Uh, like, why didn't he shave today? Or something. Come on. <laughs> That's yeah. I'm, I'm going to avoid shave. that one. Oh, it's uh, Jeff. I, ha- I, I, I have that beer more than forty years, so. Uh, no, no shaving and, and holding it well. <laughs> That's where, Jeff. I just have a question. I, I'm a classical musician, and I'm sitting here listening to you speak, and and I've been in in the company of great composers and, and uh, conductors, and in uh, maestros, and I'm just getting the same feeling as I do when I'm sitting in a room with such knowledgeable and passionate people. What is it that drives you to to do the beer day after day for so many years and keep it going and do you ever feel like you lose your passion, or does it grow as you as you keep continue brewing? Well, it it it's it's still growing. Still growing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it tastes Be- like it. because the more I knew, I, I know about it, the more I love it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people uh, thinks you put water and malt and hops together, you stir it a little bit, you put a little bit. The yeast in it, and there is the best beer of the world. Well, right. it's not true. Right. It's a, it's a process of uh, rise and fall. And for a good recipe, you need a lot of time and a lot of tasting. And for me, that's important. In the brewery school, they learned the techniques. Yeah. But the first thing they should learn, the students, is to taste because when you taste your beer, you, you can find taste you like, taste you don't like. And then with your technique, you can approve the recipe. That's important. And they, they don't learn it. And therefore now, since, since five, six years, there is a course in Belgium called Zytology. Zytology means the knowledge of beer. And they learn to taste. And that's very important. That's great. Some beer, and let's get Joe also from Hot Pills. Do you have a question for, for Jeff? Like, for example, do you carry Glasentorn or would you? Uh, n- not yet. We we just opened and we're trying to pick and choose when it comes to to bottles, and it's always hard for us to sell big bottles at the bar, and to always like uh, ask for like a smaller format, twelve point seven, or if it's available on draft. That's that's what we really like. I mean, this beer for me will live for three, four years in my refrigerator with, with no problem. But the, the profit margin on it is really low for a bar. And, yeah, I don't know. It's always better to have a smaller one. One thing about Hot Pills, you guys have great pricing on beers. When I was there two weeks ago, and you had, like, one of our friends, White Birch Hop Sessions and a pint for, like, $5. And then you said, oh, it's happy hour and it's $4. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, that's, you know. I mean, uh, it, it's a small. I like that. <laughs> it, it's a small place, and our uh, overhead is very, very low. So I, I do a lot of stuff on this place. I clean, and I open this place, and I, I'm saving a lot of money. So I'm kind of sacrificing myself uh, to start this place. And it's what price, pricing always turns me off when I go to bars. I, I know it's a business, but I'm trying to cater to really beer lovers and trying to make some money in, in, in the same time and uh, just en- enjoying myself. And we'll see, we'll see how it goes. You know, your, your area is very interesting. I mean, Clinton Hill, you got the Kelso, Greenpoint Beer Works. And we were there on Saturday for the New York City Blocktoberfest. And I walked two blocks down to the Met Food, which is a supermarket. And it had one of the, the, the largest selections of really good craft beer I've seen. I mean, better than what we've seen in the East Village in, in beer stores. Yes, surprisingly enough, yeah, and at, at very good prices. And if you walk also another mile down, you get, like, more more stuff for even che- cheaper prices. So that's why, like, there was this big demand for, for a beer bar like us in this neighborhood, and that's why 
people love love us be, being there because this neighborhood was starving, or they were thirsty for for good beer for a long time. And what do you? Th- I mean, Jeff, you know this this is a big part of the the beer scene in New York. You know, guys like Joe and I want to say something about the bottles. Maybe it's difficult to buy that type of bottles, but it's a champagne bottle. And um, for me, when you drink a beer alone, that's not good. It's, it's dangerous to become a drunk. <laughs> so a good beer you have to share, to share with somebody you love, with a friend. And therefore, I only do big bottles. So in our brewery, no small bottles. And I know that when we start smaller bottles, we can sell more. But I don't want it. Beer is for me a culture. It's not only business. I'm not part of Polaner. <laughs> you understand? I work for myself. So for me, beer is more than business. It's a culture. Big bottles or nothing. I'm sorry, my friend. And draft, of course. <laughs> it's and, okay. and, and draft. And, Jeff, th- this tells a few things about this last beer we just had. Oh, well, this last beer, um, I hope... What's the name uh, of it? Uh, Jan de Lichte. Jan de Lichte. It's, um, it's the name of a man. And uh, I hope Andreas will uh, taste... This is a Weizen. It's a Weizen, yeah. <laughs> but it's a Weizen, the Belgian way. And the Belgian way means with spices. So it's not only with uh, wheat, 50%. Fif- okay. 55% here is wheat. Okay. It's more than 50% is wheat, but there are also spices in it. Uh, n- no secrets, you know. Coriander mm. and curaçao. Curaçao means orange, bitter orange peels. They're in it. And Oegaarden uh, is, uh, I guess, the most uh, well-known Belgian Weizen. But that's only 5%. That's uh, a light beer to, to, for Germans, okay? <laughs> with, with schnapps. Yeah, with schnapps, yeah. <laughs> but, but we like more. So this is a double white scene. You guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the beers. And, John, you know, it's cool. This is actually the first time I've had, like, I've tasted this many glass and torn at once. It's nice having all the bottles in one place, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great thing. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. We're thrilled to announce a special event. The Silver Snail, 25 Years of Slow Food. This event is hosted by Slow Food USA, Heritage Radio Network, and Roberta's Pizza. It's been 25 years since Carlo Petrini and a group of activists launched a peaceful revolution to defend regional traditions, good food, gastronomic pleasure, and the slow pace of life. The slow food movement has since evolved into a comprehensive approach to food that recognizes strong connections between plate, planet, people, politics, and culture. Today, this movement involves thousands of projects and millions of people in more than 160 countries worldwide. Join us for a dialogue between Slow Foods founder Carlo Petrini and locavore activist Alice Waters as they reflect on the evolution of the food movement and all things slow. Friday, October 3rd from 11.30 to 2.30. You can go to our website and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page to RSVP. We can't wait to see you there. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got two cool brewers here. We've got Jeff Vandersteen from Glasen Torin and Andreas Heidenreich, the brewer from Pollyanner New York City Brauhaus. What were you guys just talking about on the break? <laughs> That's a secret. Like beer geek That's stuff. A, but, it, no, no. It, but it was not about women. No. We, we talked about beer. I know you only yes. talk about beer. That's all you ever talk about. <laughs> you have women here, though. I keep calling you the most interesting guy in the world. And you've got two women here with you. It's just like the, the advertisement. Well, it, it's dangerous because uh, the two girls is too many, three is a crowd, and. For your debt. But who is here? <laughs> you, you, you brought three friends with you. You're traveling with an entourage from Belgium. Well, 
her husband is there too. Oh, there's a guy over there. Yeah, <laughs> they're friends. And then what? This other lady next to you. Yes. Oh, that's my. Uh, I am my, connected. That's my chief. Do you say paramour or chief. chief? That's my chief. Your yeah. chief. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. And John, what's it like? When you, as at Be United, you have all these amazing brewers and good friends and. You know, he mentioned the Dola. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone loves the Stillenacht. Mm-hmm. And w- what is it like for you as, as a rep when these guys come to town? It's just an absolute joy. Um, not only, I mean, there's sort of three components. On one hand, we love taking our, the brewmasters we partner with around to show them the market and show them accounts and show them where their beers are and help use their expertise to help sell their beers. And for us, it's an honor to be able to spend a day. For me, just to walk around with Jeff for a day is a tremendous honor. And then also, accounts really value getting to meet the man, as you, know, you keep saying. It's no, just it's, such a wonder. It adds such value to the product, but also it's just so educational. No, to be, have a bar like Jimmy's number 43 or a Hot Pills to have a brewer from another country come is, is always like the highest honor. And know? they always come to New York first, so it's perfect. Joe, have, have, you've met a lot of brewers over the years, and uh, yes, yes, I did. And most of the time, people would ask me, "Oh, why you're signing this beer?" I said, oh, I, "I know, I know the sales rep. I know the the guy who did this beer, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do." I said, "I'm, I'm not selling something that for somebody to do a favor. Selling what what I love, and for people that I really." have met and I care about. You guys have a great selection of beer. You have a big wall of, of bottles and coolers, and you have great drafts. Uh, when I was there last week, I had I had the White Birch Hop Sessions. How did you get that on your list? Because I think White Birch is a great brewery from New Hampshire. Yeah, I guess it just got to New York uh, around the same time when, when we opened our bar, and the sales rep from Union mentioned that uh, it's, it's the first time here, and I think this would be a nice addition to your bar, and... Uh, yeah, we, that's the only reason we have. Well, let's turn the table. So, so, so you're, you, you're got a, you've got a great beer bar, and you've been working in the industry a while. And you brought uh, a beer. We're going to have our brewers, uh, Jeff and Andreas, taste these American beers. So what's the first beer that you guys open for us? So that's uh, Three Floyds uh, Zombie Dust. Uh, me and Kenny, it's just, that's our favorite, like, pale ale that we drink most of the time. Kenny is from Indiana. And every time he go back uh, home, he just bring a bunch of cases with him. And this is kind of like uh, our religious beer that we always start any any session with. So it's kind of, tell us, why is this called Zombie Dust from Three Floyds? That's a question I still haven't uh, found an answer to. Uh, I know that Three Floyds has a heavy metal theme, uh, and they're all about the zombies. And we also have a... Dark Lord sitting there in the back, uh, in the on the table there, so it's kind of their their theme uh, for the brewery. But uh, I don't know exactly why they call it Zombie Dust, but when you taste it, you can see that the name is pretty appropriate. Well, the, you know, there's certain culty beers like when I hear about Dark Lord, so my ears perk up, <laughs> and I know people look for that beer. I mean, how do you feel as as you know curating a beer list at a beer bar? Are you looking for cult beers, or what are you looking for? the best beers yeah i mean you always look for for best beer but sometimes you, you just you have to go with the flow and see what what's really very hyped out there i mean a lot of hyped beer out there that i really don't like but people ask for it and i, and I have to get it i mean they are really decent but yeah this is this is how it is you want to tell us some <laughs> uh, no one will hold uh, it against you yeah there's uh, a lot of hype beers a heady topper for example what would I, you if I we did a show recently? If I said, "Oh, I, a lot of times a customer comes in and what does he say?" He says, "Oh, do you have Heady Topper?" What would you say? What would you offer him? Uh, I will tell him. You know what? Uh, we have a Barrier Money IPA on draft, and this is as good as even better than a Heady Topper, and it's just made across the street. It's kegged on a Thursday, delivered on a Friday, and. Also tapped on a Friday, the same day. Cheers yeah. to Joe and Hot Pills. We hear a lot of good things about you guys. You know your stuff. Okay, so Jeff and Andreas, we're drinking the Three Floyd Zombie Dust. You guys yeah. tell us what you think of it as brewers. And then, then we're going to ask you, we're going to quiz you about the American cult beers. And see what you know about American beer. Because I, I smell it, and, and I know directly which hops they used. It's uh, Amarillo hops. From Washington State. You know that right away. Because it's the same smell with my Munich Pale Ale. 
because I use the same hops. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Well, I said immediately to Andreas, this is Amarillo. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't use them, but I know them, of course. And one of the reasons I don't use them is, why do I have to use American hops to export beer to the USA? Then you have the taste you have here. So I use only European hops, then you can, when the beers are here, you, you, you can taste the difference. But I have to say one thing with Amarillo hops or Cascade hops. Um, it's very difficult to get it here. When you are a small brewer like Polana with only 10 hectoliter yeah. brewery, Brewhouse. it's always sold out. Sometimes on a waiting list for one or two years. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to get the hops. But for all the IPAs and pay but, but I, I, I don't have anything against American hops because but nobody tasted it, so I'm very happy. But in Jan de Lichte, there is Cascade. Cascade is also an American hop, but yeah. nobody said it is Cascade. You know why? The Cascade, the hops are hidden. Hidden with the molds, hidden with the unmalted wheat, hidden with the spices. So you don't say it, but it's there. And here you you smell and you taste immediately. This is Amarillo. So I should say to the brewer, try to hide it. It's more mysterious. Try to be more mysterious. Okay? <laughs> That's a mysterious answer, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I have to say, it's uh, American May, and I like it. Uh, it's, a, it's a new market here in the US. It's, so it's changed for 10 years ago, and um, I like it actually because there's so many craft brewers everywhere in every city, five, six small breweries, and this is good because in Germany, um, we go the different way at the moment. We go with uh, the big breweries, by the small breweries, like was here before 50 years maybe with Budweiser and Miller. Mm -hmm. So it's... John, what are some of the, the German breweries that you guys are importing that you think are really unique? Uh, well, there's sort of two different tacks we have with the German brewing. I mean, we have a number of extremely historic German breweries like Schneiderweisse, like Reisdorf Kolsch, like Achschlankerle, like um, Zoom Irige. Um, we also have some more modern breweries. For instance, we have Berscher Bahnhof in Leipzig. Uh, you know, they sort of rejuvenated and almost rescued the Gosa style. Um, however, they only opened in, I think, 1999 or 2000. But their brewmaster, Matthias Richter, is one of the most progressive brewmasters in Germany. And there's a lot of really unexpected, really unusual things that are much more coming from sort of the U.S. craft beer or Belgian beer than the German traditions. Um, so maybe in the next year, Stone Brewery from uh, San Diego. Right. It's open one in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And maybe more breweries from U.S. will be come to Germany and opens this craft brewery scene. So yeah, the, the, I think it's a good way, actually, also for Germans. Yeah, many of the yeah. German people, uh, people in the German beer community are seeing a lot of opportunities for import to Germany. And yeah. there are some... Germany hasn't sort of seen the brewery explosion that a lot of the rest of the world has, but there are some smaller brewers opening up in different places in Germany, making some often extremely high-priced premium yeah. sort of products. Let's ask one more question. So... Uh, Joe and Kenny, you guys, Hop Hills, Hops Hill, Hops Hill, and Clinton Hill. That sounds cool. Yes. Um, what was your favorite beer today? Uh, I really liked uh, the triple. That's the first Belgian triple I I really liked uh, when I first got into Belgian in early 2000. Triple was my least favorite style because always you get this prominent Belgian yeast in it and the sweetness that I couldn't take. But this one. It's almost a hybrid with a saison, and this is a, dr a drier version of a triple that I can really drink a 12 ounce of. And Kenny, what about you? Uh, for me, uh, I'm, uh, I just I love the saison. Uh, I'm a fan of saison, and I don't openly talk about it being a kind of a typical American craft beer drinker, but uh, the saison was beautiful. I really appreciated it. And like you said, it wasn't overly sweet. And I think it was just true to the style. And, and to me, I feel like I had an experience of just drinking a, a real traditional uh, Cezanne uh, 
traditionally brewed and made. So thank you, Ken yeah. and Jeff. Uh, what would you like to tell our listeners about Belgian beer before we sign off? I know you have many things to say, wow. but it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> but uh, one thing I, I have to say is, Belgium is the only country in the world where beer is still brewed in four different ways. We have spontaneous fermentation, so the lambic beers without yeast. We have the mixed fermentation. Maybe you know beers like Rodenbach. They're partially spontaneous, partially with uh, yeast, and then they mix together. Then we have top-fermented beers, of course. Most of the special beers are top-fermented, and we have the uh, low-fermented beers. So the only country with all that different types of fermentation. Secondly... Belgium is also the land with most different styles. We have a lot of styles now copied all over the world. Uh, we have the, the we have the saisons, we have the the lambic beers, we have old brown. Uh, you know, we, we have the fruit beers, fruit beers now uh, winning winning all over the world, but the original fruit beers are coming from Belgium. They, they were always there. And and last of it, the, the highest alcohol beers in the world are coming from Belgium too, because we don't drink alcohol like whiskey, like gin, all those things. We only drink beer. And therefore, the Belgian beer culture is very alive. Uh, the same in restaurants. Come, uh, come to Belgium. Eat meals cooked with beer, and drink a good beer with it. You're welcome, Jeff. You're great. Thanks for coming <laughs> on. We'll give a quick shout out. Uh, first of all, special events coming up in New York City, October 11th. Uh, we're hosting an event, October Feast at the Seaport. We're going to have uh, some specialty B United beers, uh, Gravity Casts from from uh, Franconia from the Shelton Brothers. And a, a nice selection of small New York City breweries, including Bridge and Tunnel, Secret Engine, Barrier, Other Half, and Single Cut. It's going to be a great afternoon, and there'll be grilling and bratwurst competitions and other things. Some of the best bratwurst in New York will be there. So that's October Feast. Check it out at goodbristeel.com. Also, hello to uh, Brooklyn Poor that's coming up this weekend uh, from the Village Voice Friends. And at Jimmy's number 43, if you're doing nothing on Friday, the new cool duo. One thing, like uh, Jeff started with a garage garage brewery. There's still guys doing that in New York, and there's more than ever. Uh, Secret Engine and Rocky Point uh, collaborated on. They're making these really crazy German-style casts uh, on Friday night at Jimmy's number 43. You, you can taste one. So I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who've helped bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks, to everyone. Jeff, John, Andreas, Joe, and Kenny, and including Jeff's entire family of people <laughs> from Belgium. So thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our Uber engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.